Good afternoon, everyone. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, because you're good. You're good always. And no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what's happening anywhere, we know that we can always rely on these truths that you are good, that you're in control, that you're sovereign, Lord. So, Lord, just thank you for being so faithful, even when we're not. Lord, just be with us this evening and let your Holy Spirit speak to us, Lord. Let us continue to grow in your faith and let us represent you in the best way. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, today we continue with Romans. As you know, Dave started with Romans and Neil spoke about Romans. In Romans chapter 2 and chapter 3, you know, they talk about the unrighteousness of Jews, Gentiles, mankind. And many of us understand and we'll be the first to admit of our own unrighteousness. But at the same time, this is not necessarily a fun topic to speak about. If they ask you, tell me all of your unrighteousness, I'm walking out the door. However, this is critical. This is critical that we understand our unrighteousness. As we share with people in our community, the gospel, and we share with them the gospel that means good news, we must fully expose what the bad news is as well. It's only good news if we fully comprehend what the bad news is. The bad news is, of course, our unrighteousness. The bad news is my sin and your sin. The bad news is that we have sinned against a perfect God who is righteous. The bad news is that you and I need to repent of our sins and need to be forgiven of our sins. You know, we find in Luke 7, 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. This woman understood the depth of her sinful nature. The profound depth of her sin that she was forgiven. And this same profound depth now has become how much she loves, how much she loves he who paid for those sins. So for us to say, yes, I was forgiven of my sins, but I wasn't a big mess like Duncan. He was a complete mess. We're missing it. We're missing it. Because family, we are all a complete mess without him. After how many sins do we and I deserve the wrath of God? Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. This is not fun to speak about, but we need to be faithful to the text 
And this is why we're blessed to be in a Calvary Chapel where we go verse to verse. We don't pick and choose what we want to hear. We read what the Bible says. We read what the Word of God tells us that we need to know. And we need to know, yes, we are sinners. If you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 11. So Neil, last week he wrapped up at verse 11. We'll kick off the reading at verse 11. And we'll go all the way to 16. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness and between themselves, their, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, the gospel. The first thing that we need to do is kind of go back to Romans 1, verse 18. And for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All men are under the wrath of God. There is no partiality with God in judgment. There is no unfair biased. All men everywhere have the revelation from God and have no excuse. No one will be able to say on that day, I didn't know. Ignorance will not be an option. Every person on earth should be able to say, by the things they see, by God's creation, that a creator does exist. This is what the word is telling us. This is the truth for anyone who hears the gospel. That if they reject it, they are under the wrath of God. Whether you have heard the gospel or not. Because of, as we have read in chapter 1, we are without excuse. If anyone, is outside of, if anyone is outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are under the wrath of God. 
God has shown all his attributes in his creation, in all the things he has made, including yourself. Even his eternal power. It is really impossible for us to look around and look at the moon, the sun, everywhere, and for us to say, no, there is no God, and this God is not powerful. It's really impossible. Because if you look around you, God's creation, just the design of your body, really, we should be saying, wow, there is a creator, and he is powerful because he is sustaining all things. In verse 12, for as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. So those without the law and those who have never heard the law are not innocent. There's just no excuse. There's no excuse for anybody. They are sinners. I am a sinner, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. With or without the law, these people will perish. If you have not heard the law, you're without excuse. God has revealed himself. If you know the law, well, it is there to show you, what? That you have broken the law and that you need help in keeping the law and that you have fallen short. In the next verse, verse 13, for not the hearers of the law or just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Verse 12 is confirming what it really means to have heard the law. Because what does it mean to hear the law? What does it mean to have heard the word of God? It's got to mean something. It's got to have some type of change in you. Or no. It is impossible for you and I to call ourselves Christians and remain the same. It can't be. There needs to be a change. But the good news is that you're not responsible for that change. It's not up to you to know what change needs to be made in you. Because the Holy Spirit of God will reside in you and he will start making those changes and he will let you know clearly the changes that need to be. I thought about two weeks ago, or maybe I was talking to Gerardo about this, but I thought, you know, one of the greatest benefits of us, besides salvation, knowing God, is we get to know ourselves. But imagine if God revealed to me or to you who you really are all at once. I don't want that. Not even my wife wants that. <laughs> But it is scary to know and to be reminded that we are fall, that we have that we come from a fallen state, that we are sinners. 
that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we do not deserve heaven, but we deserve something else. Now, if you are more than a hearer of the word, then you will begin a new lifestyle. Because now you're living a lifestyle that's obedient to the word of God. So it's really a good time for us to ask ourselves, how obedient are you and I being to what God is calling us to be, to the lifestyle that we should be living? How obedient are we? Because even though we're grown in many cases, we have lived and worked and all these things, the truth is, the way you look at your babies when they were babies, that's really, if not more, the separation of our Father in heaven and us. We just don't know, but we know that he knows. And we need to obey our Father in heaven. In showing that you and I are doers of the word, what are you doing? You know what? You are announcing and you are showing that what? That you are right with God. So now, are you being obedient to the word of God? And you know what? I'm not saying go announce it to people necessarily, which is a good thing. But let's start with ourselves. Let's start with ourselves. Announce to yourself that you are right with God because you are becoming more obedient of God's requirements for you. Do it for you. All true faith is an obedient faith. So faith is the root and obedience is the fruit. So if you have the root of faith in you, and yet there's no obedience in you as the fruit, then you, there's the problem. That's the problem. The good thing is, it can change in a moment. It can change in a moment. But we need to know, and we want to ask God to tell us, show us where we are, so we can have this true faith. How sad would it be to know friends and family that we go to the same church or go to other churches, but yet they are not obedient to the word. So if they're not obedient to the word, maybe they don't have faith. And if they don't have faith, will they have they truly been transformed? If not, are they really saved? Just imagine that. Because just me going to church doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saved. It could be just a tradition. And while I think, yes, it is a good tradition, it can be better than just a tradition. It can be life-changing, not only now, but eternally. So faith is the root. Obedience is the fruit. In verse 14, now it goes back to talk about the previous verse where it's talking about those who do not have the law. So verse 14 reads, for when Gentiles do not have the law, 
by nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. This was, this was an amazing verse for me to read, and I had to read it over and over and over and over again. Because for when, Gentile, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, so if you have the law, if you know the law, greater accountability to you. Because you know more. You know more information. You're going to be held accountable for the things that you know and you don't do. And that's kind of scary when you realize that, oh no, I know too much, so I better back up because now... The more I know, well, wait a minute, I got to go to church twice a week or less because it's going to be more required of me. And, you know, I think that happens sometimes because it's fear. But perfect love casts out fear. And God did not call us to a new life for us to be in fear. And guess what? He will complete the work in you. That is the thing that I tell myself almost every single day. Because, Lord, you're telling me that I don't have to complete the work that you started in me? Thank you. Thank you. But that's relief for you and for me to know that you have a perfect Father who the Holy Spirit dwells in you and will complete the work he has begun. That's got to be something. If not, that's got to be everything. The Gentiles do not have the law, but still will be held accountable because by nature do things in the law. In verse 15, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Now, how, how can this happen? How can it happen that the law is written in their hearts? It's got to be so. The Bible says it. Well, there's only one way that the creator himself is doing this and has done this. And that's got to be because we are made in God's image. But to know that the creator, your creator, the only living God, is writing the law in your heart. That's got to be something. In other words, because of this, you and I can truly understand what is right and wrong. And when we talk about honor your father and your mother, you know what that means. Children know, they know what that means. It's your conscience. And I'm sure you've heard this example before, but if I get a pain in my leg, if, if it's hurting, I know it might be broken or, or something's wrong. So it's telling me to stop, sit down, or go to the doctor, right? Because God is telling me, hey, there's something wrong with your leg. Go take care of it. But your conscience is the same way. It won't leave you alone. It's telling you, 
there's something wrong. You've done something wrong. And it'll mess with you. It will accuse you or excuse you, as it says. And raise your hand if you love feeling pain. I don't like it. Have you ever called someone or texted someone and asked for an apology because after, after math, after a conversation, you started thinking about it and you said, wait a minute, uh-oh, did they take that the wrong way? You know what, let me, let me call them and just make sure that it wasn't taken that way. You know, that's really a sign that you have, that you're good, that spiritually you're healthy. Unless you're a man, that's a sign that you're weak. Of course not, right? Of course not. But, I, you know, I've been in those situations where I say, no, I, no he's not going to take it that way. No, I'm fine. Yeah. And they did. But listen, listen. And if God is saying something, do it. But you know what? If someone is calling you and texting you and asking for an apology, don't think, wow, they're over-analytical. They're just thinking about it too much. But you know what? They care enough to reach out to you and just make sure that everything's okay. That's a good thing. That's good. Your thoughts are connected to your conscience. Your conscience is connected to the law of God written in your heart. It's all connected. It's all one. And in verse 16, it says, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. What day is this talking about? What day is this talking about? And this is talking about, as you see in chapter 2, verse 5, this is talking about the day of judgment. This is talking about the day of judgment. God will judge you according to the gospel. And remember, the gospel is good news. But the gospel includes the bad news. We love talking about God's love. And there's famous preachers who don't want to say the word sin. They don't want to say hell. And listen, don't just talk about sin or hell. Don't just talk about heaven. We got to be faithful to the entire counsel of God. We can't pick and choose. If God said it, and, and, it, and we have it, we got to talk about it. We have to talk about it. But how problem, how big is your problem of sin? See, that's what it comes down to. Because we're talking about unrighteousness, unrighteousness of mankind. But how big is the problem of sin? How big? Is it a small problem? Is it a big problem? I got it under control. I'm good. 
as long as I read once in a while. You know, and, and we think like this because the heart of man is deceitful and he knows it, right? But how big is your problem of sin? Because if it's a huge, huge problem, then guess what? You're going to need a big, big God. But if it's a small, small problem, you're going to need a small God. And you know what? In comparison to a, this, you know what? God is just, he's okay. He's good. But I mean, my problem with sin is just, it's like this. In that day, God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. And it's not only going to be, it's not only speaking about the things that we have said, it's also talking about the things that we think. Okay. Woo. You guys want to know all my thoughts? <laughs> Does your wife or your husband want to know all your thoughts? But that's where we can start. That's where we can start immediately to fully understand or to grade how big is sin in your life. Not that you're a sinful and you're sitting every day. No, but the dangers of sin. Because we know spiritual warfare starts in the mind. But the secrets of men are only secrets to men. And one thing that we can't forget, you're never alone. Even when you're alone, you're not alone. You always have an audience of one. And it's listening to all of your thoughts. And it's watching everything that you're looking at. But, listen, we have to do something that we're able to do, and that is, number one, we're here now, so now we can talk about the gospel, because they're going to be judged. They're not going to be saved on that day, they're going to be judged according to the gospel. It's too late for salvation. But now, this moment today, do you know the gospel? We were at a family camp a couple years ago, and this pastor was talking about the gospel. And I said, that's it? And he added a little bit more. And I said, that's it? And he added a little bit more. And I said, that's it? And he added a little bit more. And then he said, that's what you wanted to hear? And I said, well, I wanted to hear the gospel. Do you know the gospel? The gospel is not your testimony. Is it a good thing to share? Absolutely. Do you know the gospel? The gospel, let's say it's got some elements to it. Number one, who is Jesus? And Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And what has he done? He died, was buried, 
was raised on the third day. And why has he done this? For our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins. And how can we know it is true? He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, to more, and then to five hundred brothers, to James, to all the apostles, also to me. This was written. The disciples are witnesses of these things. And how can we respond? You receive and believe. How do you respond? Repentance for the forgiveness of your sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. We have a huge problem. Sin, unrighteousness. It's bad stuff. And we need to understand this problem. But the good thing is, we have a solution. There is a solution. It's real. It did happen. I used to be an atheist. And at 21 years old, God saved me. And I said, oh wow, you are real. And then I broke down. When I talk to my kids, I say, guys, believe me, if God was not real, we would be someplace else right now. But he is real. But he is real. And because he's so real, you need to know what the gospel is. And the gospel is the solution to our problems. The gospel is the solution to our lifestyle. Because we got to represent the gospel, where we work, where we live, at home. So in closing, this is not a fun talk. I, I told you, I warned you, see? But let me just tell you one thing. And I've, maybe you've heard me say this before, but it is the truth. Nothing's going to be more powerful, more painful, more horrible than the conviction of your sins. Because God is going to say, you have sinned against me, a perfect God. And it's going to hurt, and you might be crying, and you might be deflated, and it's going to be horrible. That is truth. That is the worst pain you will ever fear. You will ever feel and fear. But guess what? It is followed by the greatest thing in the world. By the forgiveness of your sins. The greatest pain you'll ever have followed immediately by the greatest thing in the world. The forgiveness of your sins. So we have a solution for this problem called sin and unrighteousness. But we got to have courage to talk about the problem so we can truly welcome the solution, talk about the solution, and speak about it, and know what the gospel is properly so we can be faithful to what God has done for us, for your children, for your children's children. Because I know one day my children are going to have children, and I want to make sure that when they teach them the gospel, boy... It better be the right gospel. Because we know there's another Jesus people preach about. 
never want to hear my children preaching or living or talking about another Jesus other than the only Jesus that you and I know to be true. Let's pray. Father, you are the way, you are the truth. And Lord, you set us free. There was moments in our life where we couldn't see and now we can. There was moments in our lives where we were slaves and Lord, and, and now we're free. But Lord, we know that you do this, Lord. You do this. You, you did this for us. Because we know that his name will be Emmanuel because he will save his people from their sins, Lord. So Lord, I ask you, Lord, Convict us, Lord. Convict us of our sins, Lord, so we can be set free, so we can be forgiven for our sins, so we can see clearly, so we can walk around light. So, Lord, just speak to us. Speak to us. And let's make sure we know what the gospel is. And let's make sure we know that Jesus Christ you are the gospel. What you did at the cross is the gospel. So, Father, help us. Help us in what we do and what we say. Because we know what the problem is. So, help us continue with the solution. The only solution. In the name of Jesus. Amen.